Welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast with your hosts, Richard Hill and Matthew Darlitz. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. My name is Matthew Darlitz, Editor-in-Chief of the Science of Psychotherapy, and as always, here with Managing Editor Richard Hill. Yep, guess who? It's me. But uh, <laughs> it's lovely. Hi, Matt. Uh, great hey. to see you again. How's uh, how's everything going now? Now, we're having a lovely time uh, in, in winter-ish, where we where we seem to be winter winter but warm, I've just been over in um, Las Vegas, and I tell you, uh, if you hot there, if you if you wanted to have a bit of scrambled eggs, just take some eggs out onto the pavement, uh, and away you go. Anyway, but a but a, a fabulous uh, hypnotherapy conference, uh, which was really interesting, and uh, well, there we go. We'll talk about uh, more of we'll, that we'll, later. We 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 absolutely will. But today. We're going to stay over in the states today, and we're going to talk to Edie Nathan. Now she's a she's an author, a public speaker, and a licensed therapist. Um, so she um, practices uh, in sex therapy, hypnotherapy, EMDR. Um, she's got over twenty years' experience, and she's uh, written this wonderful book. It's grief, the dance of self discovery through trauma and loss, uh, as well as working on a whole lot of other things, which we'll we'll get into in the interview. But Richard, here is a fellow actor. Yes, this is what we'll find out more about. Uh, really interesting uh, having people who've come through this mm. this framework and um, aspect of self discovery that she brings out so strongly in yeah. her work, and uh, you know, right in the title of her book there. So I'm really interested to hear how that uh, sort of experience and those journeys and uh, things came and, and and where her head is at. And uh, just uh, shifting to the other fabulous heads that we have a lot of expression of, which, of course, is in the Science of Psychotherapy Academy. Now, that's at the scienceofpsychotherapy.net. Certainly, you can uh, link to it from the scienceofpsychotherapy.com site. But this is our academy where we have uh, just such a fabulous group of of presenters and speakers and writers. Uh, Go to the the .net page and you'll see a whole bunch of these great images and where we have um, uh, you can find a podcast, a writing, uh, video presentations, and uh, and remembering as members when you read the magazine that comes with a CEU certificate. Uh, we ask a few appropriate questions, and we pass those on to you, so you can use those. Uh, and most associations around the world uh, are very warmly accept the science of psychotherapy as a valid CEU uh, education institution. Absolutely. We reckon if you spend the time reading the magazine, you should get some um, some CEU points from it. So that's what oh, I, I love it. I'm so glad to be the managing editor of it. It's fabulous. <laughs> okay, fantastic. That's great. So, Richard, let's, uh, let's go across uh, to the States and talk to Edie Nathan. Edie, welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy. It's so great to meet you. It's great to meet you too, Matt. And Richard and here Richard. as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> I hang around in the, in the offside. It, it's really wonderful to have you here. I just love the way um, uh, we keep meeting new and fascinating people. And uh, your bio sort of came across my desk. And you talk, uh, we've mentioned how you your work is uh, focused around grief, although I'm sure you cover lots of other areas in that framework, and your wonderful book, we'll talk a bit more about that. And we've given a bit of an introduction to you, Edie, but I just find it fascinating what lands people 
in the space that they work in. Can you give us some sort of insight and and what took you from being mild-mannered Edie into uh, a fascinating sort of uh, grief recovery, Edie? So, you know, it's, it's, it's always such a great question because there's so many ways to answer it, right? I mean, you know, I could, you know, go down the, the path, the road of, well, I was born and, you know, and then... <laughs> at a very you know, young age, yes. Right, at a very <laughs> young age. Um, and, um, and yet, perhaps that is actually the, 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 the point of the story, is that that initial separation is one of grief. And when we leave the womb, there is grief. And so I, I, what has impacted me were the attachments that I've had and the losses that I've had as a result of those attachments because of a death, because of a partnership gone wrong, because of leaving a place I didn't want to leave and realized that Really, grief just kind of follows us along the way. We might not name it as such. And it wasn't until I was 27 when I lost my partner, Paul, to lung cancer that everything kind of, um, everything all at once hit. And so the the the, the, the patterning of, of, of personality and charisma and desire we're all impacted by this thing called grief and loss of a partner through death. And yet got me to a place of realizing there'd been all these other grief patterning that, that had occurred over time. And it was a pivot point. Now we all have pivot points, you know, in, 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 in therapy, we call them the nodal points, you know, those nodal points, but, but truly this was a pivot a nodal point, a, a point of the hero Shiro journey where everything I knew before was forever changed. Yeah. So um, a loss at 27, that's um, that's quite young. And I'm just wondering if we can just, you know, stay with the story for a minute. Um, what what were you um, doing at 27? Were you, were you studying, you know, psychology and this sort of thing? Or, or where were you at? Well, I was not studying psychology. I was actually, um, Paul and I were actors together and um, he was uh, ready to go on Broadway in New York. We lived in New York and um, we we used to just um, co, co-act together at times. We would create our own um, shows for friends and family. I was auditioning out in the theater world and uh, when he died, and I was also in school and I was going to take theater and my knowledge of theater and go into the corporate world and teach about drugs and abuse and burnout. And so that's what I was going to do. And he dies and everyone around me says, oh, don't worry, don't worry, darling. It's okay. In that lovely patronizing voice that no one should ever use. And I don't use the word should, except sometimes. And and, um, that was not good enough. You're young and you'll find someone else. You're young and you'll find someone else. That wasn't the point. And what his death did was reorganize my thoughts about how I was going to spend the rest of my life 
and what my, how I was going to honor who he was, my love for him, while also being able to teach people, hopefully, that uh, grief surrounds us in ways that we cannot even imagine. So there was the grief of the loss of Paul, but then there was also the realization that as I, as the this major emotion was surfacing, what was happening were were all of the the things that I had never really dealt with that had fractured me, the teasing or, or some sexual abuse thrown in there for good measure. All of a sudden, I had to face that which I did not want to face. And that and that is what made it the Hero Shiro journey. That was the great departure. That was the point where the inmost cave, Joseph Campbell's brilliance, had to be dealt with. Yeah, I mean, you've touched on something, and I just sort of, uh, uh, sort of circled back a little bit into into what you've been saying, and just feedback there because um, both Matt and I have been involved in in the entertainment world. I was actually an actor till uh, till I was forty five, full time. Um, <laughs> And there was a lot that I, I learned from that. Um, and I'm just wondering, as just as we're going into this, this uh, hero's journey and some of the other aspects, going back to that thing of how that might have prepared you, given you um, these alternative, these other experiences uh, that acting gives you the opportunity, these other characters uh, that you've that you've played. Because at 27, there's only a certain amount of experience that we can have but um, uh, there's a lot that we can investigate in that uh, uh, theatrical sort of experience. Did that give you any uh, additional little points of reference? So I was trained as a Shakespearean actor. And uh, if you are trained as a Shakespearean actor, your greatest tool is your voice. In other in other you know, types of theater, certainly it's your voice, it's your body, but truly it is how you are going to project and own that character. And I think that what acting did is tenfold because it wasn't just about finding my voice as an actor, but then using the voice I found as an actor and use it as a clinician and use it as a student and use it with my with what I call I call my 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 clients my peeps and I realized that I could influence and impact the way someone's judge or critic or um internal negative voices were 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 lying within their hearts and their souls and their guts and their minds by actually turning up a turn of phrase, using a little bit of a different voice, using my the tenor of my voice to impact some change emotionally, physically, intuitively within that person. Ah, beautiful answer, and uh, it it is exactly the framework of uh, uh, of something that I think we need to to do a lot more in the, in the uh, therapeutic world. Uh, in fact, I did a workshop uh, that was almost everything I know in psychotherapy I learned in acting school, uh, which was which is really well done. And, and you've got that same frame. How to improvise with ourselves uh, is, is a skill that we can learn. And so th- those are, uh, I'm sure, things that you embed 
without being overt, but just embed just out of your nature into the way you uh, you teach and into the way you frame your uh, your work. And if we can perhaps now flow back into there, this grief recovery, you've given us some lovely insights into the subtleties of approach that you can bring in. And this, and there was also one that you mentioned there as you were you were going through this sexual grief, sec, sexual issues. That just caught my ear. Uh, can we just let you wax lyrical in your own in your own uh, uh, voice there as to what you think is important now? Let me let me tap into the grief piece, and then what I'd love to do is introduce your audience to sexual grief, because. The only the only way that that term right now presently is defined is the grief that someone feels upon losing their partner, and it is the loss of a sexual partner. So I didn't even know that it existed within that you know kind of framework, but the framework that I bring to the audience around sexual grief is as different from that as. Apples are to the dirt. Wow, yes, not just chalk and cheese, yeah, okay. No, okay. So, but let me just get back to the grief piece. And and I would love to say just one more thing about the theater, which is that when we can be spontaneous within our characters, then we can be spontaneous within ourselves. We learn how to become more spontaneous. And it is that spontaneity. It is, it is, being able to see that you can play so many different roles as you deal with grief, as you are a parent, as you are a child to your parent, as you are someone who carries the, the grief of of lo- losing a parent and losing a, a partner, and that all of those different roles will manifest in different ways. And so part of the techniques that I use are psychodrama, role play, and the, 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 the use of the psychodrama is to be able to individually and in groups bring in what are called the double or the mirroring, which enables, I think, a, a much fuller expression of that which we often don't have words for. So I wanted to just kind of bring that segue in um, because often as clinicians, because we don't know it, we don't understand psychodrama or role play or bringing gestalt work into, into the room because we're trained in a certain way. I offer not to be afraid. Don't be afraid of bringing this, this in, even if it's in the minutest of ways. So, because I think that that we are so guarded and we don't have language around that, which we don't want to talk about. Yeah, there's there's some um, real resources there that need to, uh, that, that, that can be developed, um, I guess. And I guess every, you know, client has a, a, they're at a different level as to, you know, where they're at with those, bringing those resources a, alive. Uh, just very, very quickly, um, psychodrama, for those that are not familiar um, with the term, just a very brief explanation. Sure. So psychodrama is a way of bringing an issue alive in the room. And it's often done in groups. I do it also, you know, individually because I I know psychodrama. But when it's done, um, um, Dr. Moreno, he actually was from New York, Beacon, New York, 
he created psychodrama. And if you want to look him up, you just put M-O-R-E-N-O into, you know, your search bar and you will find his amazing work. But what he did was he believed that if you could take an issue and you could bring it alive and he used people in the audience or people within a sacred group to uh, embody mother, father of what he called the protagonist, which who was the tro- chosen person to, to bring in their issue around a mother or around shame and would perhaps bring in or invite people to play, if you will, the aspects of shame, shame at 12, shame at 20, shame at 50, or who influenced. And so there, there were ways in which that protagonist could then in real time teach someone what they hear or feel in their body and teach that person to, to, to embody that. And they could then interact with that aspect of themselves in real time and then break it down. And what we find is it actually changes the brain in beautiful, amazing ways. And that's the goal. It was, yeah. I'm sorry, it wasn't so short. But no, 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 no it's beautiful. It's beautiful and 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 important. Um, uh, an important thing for people to understand the extent to which they vary themselves uh, in the day. I mean, I actually talk about it um, just in the simplicity of language. You know, I am me. Uh, you know, I is sort of the the all of you. Uh, me is the thing that you you're doing at the time and. And the verb is is where it comes from. So, this beautiful thing in psychodrama, where you're you're creating these different scenarios, where you suddenly discover um, uh, who you can be. And for me, it was it was extraordinary to uh, you know to find in me the goodie, find in me the baddie, uh, yes. to find that I could be that, which did help me understand how clients can do that and help me explain to clients uh, who you're being at the moment is not all you can be and so on and so forth. And Moreno um, brings this out so beautifully. Beautifully, beautifully. And then to have compassion for the bad, for the the part of you that maybe is that shame-based, you know, person. And and when you can... Couple it and uh, with 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 forgiveness or with with kindness, and you never thought you could get there. Or let's bring it back to grief. You have remorse around how you handled the loss, or you handled someone's illness leading up to the loss, and that remorse. You are so hard on yourself and remorse walks with you and follows you wherever you go and interact. And and all you want to do is push it away instead, inviting it in and saying, okay, there was a reason you showed up. And let me, let, let me talk to you. Let me hear you. Let me have compassion for you. Compassion. Are you nuts? And it's like, no, no. Let's let's try that just for a moment. You, I promise, you don't have to. You don't have to walk w- away with your compassion should you not want to. But you can. And then I'm out of the role of, like, like a therapist, and I'm more in the role of witness and guide, and that then also empowers the client. And do I do this in groups? Yes. But I love when it happens with a couple or when I do this one-on-one and it can happen. 
Uh, you, you mentioned Guide and you've mentioned Campbell and Hero's Journey. So I'm curious to know just how much of, you know, sort of the Hero's Journey is a framework for, for navigation for you. Uh, hero and Shiro. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, you know, that, and it's yeah. interesting because someone said to me, because I do use the Hero Shiro, that 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 the way that um, that Campbell wrote was really for all people, even though he might have... And 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 I I must you know honor that as well that that I do feel that that his mentality was was all inclusive and mm. more generic than his time would have even understood or known. Um, and with that said, I still like the hero Shiro, and I would say that the complexity of the hero's journey and the facets of the hero's journey um, certainly. Uh, is a compliment to my my view in the room. And I see that so much of the work is going to the innermost cave, which is that place for anyone who doesn't know what that is, is that place where we deal with that which we don't want to speak of, like grief, life, like sex, or like trauma. And as I say to people, I talk about the three things people do not want to talk about, grief, sex, and trauma. And, 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 and I do, I see that they are very connected. Absolutely. And as a sex therapist, I see that the, 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 the trauma piece and the sex piece and the grief piece really very much mingle and, and they're at each other's throats and they also love to partner and play havoc. And they love to do something that I talk about in this new book, which right now my working title is Healing Sexual Grief, Reclaim the Self, From Loathing to Liberation to Love. And the loathing part comes in, it's the grief. It's the, it's, it's, it's what people often feel when they are within the sexual grief response. And I'm going to define sexual grief for you and for your audience. It is a natural response to an unnatural, sexually traumatic event or experience that leaves the person it attaches itself to feeling like a hostage. And I say a natural response because it's natural to an unnatural sexually traumatic event or experience, because I'm not just talking about, nor am I diminishing the experience of sexual abuse, sexual violence, or, or domestic violence. However, it is a yes and. And that yes and, to me, is really important. Because if we go along the developmental timeline, i.e. from in utero, birth, all the way to the aging and dying process, sexual grief loves to play its hand in utero with the pre perinatal grief that a mother may feel that that child then takes on and is born and has low self-esteem from that moment of birth to the unwanted child that is born to a family that keeps them nice, except that unwanted child 
Watching how others are treated within the family knows they were unwanted. And as a result of being unwanted, has cognitive difficulties, has difficulty connecting formal, good, primal sexual relationships. And as a result, has self-loathing and cannot form intimacy with another, has difficulty finding, securing successful jobs, or even learning. Let's go to the young woman who doesn't know she's getting her menses at nine, has never been told, and feels that at nine, when she this happens to her, she thinks she's bleeding to death. And sadly, this is occurring in our in our fractured and fragmented cultures, black and brown societies, and in 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 many cultures where things are not explained and i could go on and on for what where whatever culture that is and i would not in any way want to leave anyone out so i'm making it very very broad yes and that um, that's a worldwide perspective uh, we yes, we every, when you right. travel when you travel and that's this is right. one of the, the beauties of travel is to walk through these different uh, atmospheres um, that's exactly uh, that you right. can so, from from one border to another so right. And so that young girl, every time she gets her menses, because she hasn't gotten any kind of help, she gets terrified. And that terror then shuts her down the week before, the week after, and she can't function. Or the the, the male or female, and it is male or female that has erectile dysfunction or goes through menopause and the sexual grief, the loss of self, the loss of a sense of self that everyone that I've just mentioned goes through and everything in between. And add to that people with disabilities who are are hidden away and are not allowed to find their own sexual expression. And there is a loss of self and a loathing that nobody gets to actually talk about. and, And they don't within their own voices whatever those voices are, and within the LGBTQ plus communities. So sexual grief is a natural response to an unnatural sexually traumatic event or experience that leaves its taker feeling as if they're held hostage. Yeah, and that word hostage, that's a very powerful word to it is. use that, that really resonates. Um, and. And in, when, so let's just, if you don't mind, let's just expand on that um, that word hostage um, because I think that's, uh, I haven't, I don't think I've actually heard that word used in, in this context. So No, it's beautifully uh, unique. Uh, uh, and, and you're right, Matt, you're, you're, you're right there. Uh, now, I'm a little older uh, than everybody and uh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I have personal a personal experience of this. I mean, there's there's as you're saying, there's there's the um, uh, there's a dramatic. There can be dramatic uh, uh, effects, and certainly, particularly in trauma, where you know before the trauma you're sexually um, self-contained, and after the trauma you're you're a sexual uh, a hostage. Um, but then, of course, there's there's the the simpler ones which just change you when you go. Um, oh dear, I, I know I, I'm at an age now, and I went through a period where I had to re-examine my self-concept of potency. 
yes. now I have a beautiful, gorgeous, uh, and and thought uh, thoughtful and heartfelt wife, uh, and we did. We just we just rediscovered it, uh, which is cool. You know, we went through. But there was sure a period of time where I thought, what the, who the, and it felt like someone had me by, someone had me by the throat. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and, the, and that wasn't a dramatic one. I mean, this is just a natural, uh, you know, changing of It's uh, a natural, it's part of aging. That's right. Mm. And so that's why I'm touching upon the developmental piece. Mm. And let me also thank you for, for sharing that. Because you say, you, you shrug. But you see, but you see, um, I, I know I, I am a woman and I do, you know, identify as she and her, but I feel that men have sadly gotten lost and they have sadly gotten lost in many of these conversations. Mm. And my book is written for people, period. Mm. Mm. And the chapters are broken down in such a way as to say, if if you identify with this, great. If you don't, skip it. Skip it. Because obviously you're not going through menopause, but you may be going through this, you know, or you may have a series of things that, that have affected you. And it is less about one's mm, performance and more about the grief and the loss of self that is incurred when sexual grief takes over. And when it takes over, I, I I liken it to, it is the hostage taker. And the hostage taker, as in most of the movies we see hostage takers, wants something. They want something dearly. They want a sex change operation for their partner. They they want money. They 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 want they want to live a better life or they want to be seen. And so if we think of sexual grief, as the hostage taker that wants something, it does. It wants to be seen, but it's not giving you necessarily the overt clues as to what's going to help it be seen. And that's where this book offers insights into, oh, so this is why I feel the way I feel. This is why it's hard for me to go on a first date or to talk, or to have a voice, or to feel like I've got love of myself. And the liberation piece in reclaim the self, you know, from loathing to liberation, the liberation piece is in the book, I teach everyone how to be their own hostage negotiators. And what is that first strategy? And you're both shaking your head. Yes. And is it, is it, from a psychological framework to some degree, but it's also a framework that is used, you know, within with, within our communities of, um, you know, the FBI and and police people and 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 strategies to help people be free, right? And so it is the idea here that that first strategy is curiosity, cross the board. And when we become curious within our own sexual grief mentality, then we can start to ask questions. Okay, so when you show up 
And what, what happens? What happens when I shut down? What happens when I get what I call a pop-up memory that stops me from being able to go on the date or 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 go on that job interview or feel like I can give myself some better messaging than I'm giving myself. And I I call it curiosity, but it's I do a much deeper dive in the book. But curiosity, the reason we don't want to be curious and and what <laughs> is because it causes anxiety. And when anxiety is present, what do we want to do? Let me run for the hills. I want to get as far away from you as possible. But what we know is when we can actually be curious about our anxiety and step into it, it diminishes it. I'm having all of these flashbacks from uh, uh, hostage movies where the where the hostage negotiator is asking, so tell me about your life, you know, trying yes, to get rapport. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah, curiosity is a huge bum and it's part of my main thesis in the in, in the work I'm doing. And and that the, the we and one of the problems that uh I've sort of come across in, in that is that we get stuck in sort of the uh, area of curiosity that people are familiar with, which is the, the curiosity for investigation, you know. So we get very anxious about that. What am I going to find? You know, uh, and and we get scared about what we'll discover. But it's these other aspects that you've talked about them in uh, already. But it's that curiosity, that information that comes from playfulness, from yes. from not being regulated. Yes. And because uh, my, I argue that we have a curiosity, meaning that open, forward, engaging thing for meaning. Uh, so it's not just this unpleasant, difficult, hard, uh, traumatic uh, experience. No, curiosity either. changes it. So it's uh, this will be wonderful to see the way you've written about this in the book. I'm so looking forward to that. Thank you. Yeah, and and uh, I, I again, it's like. There are so many ways to describe what curiosity is or what mm. the experience of curiosity. And it is, it's like going back to the, the child, going back to child's play and having wonderment, not with some pre-conceived um, um, notion of what the outcome will be, but rather, oh my goodness, gee, I wonder... I wonder what this feels like. And so through the curiosity, it is those what I call time in moments. You know how we we say to our kids or, you know, maybe even we say to ourselves, you got to take a time out moment. Well, I actually have turned that around to I want you to take a time in moment. Mm -hmm. And that's when you get to actually explore yourself in ways that, that you never imagined you would. And the time in moment is part of the curiosity, but it's actually part of the entire of the book. Take that time in moment. Breathe. From theater, there's the there's a there's a there's a warm-up called trilling. It's a it's a warm-up of the mouth. And it's and, and I'm gonna make a fool of myself, but I don't really care. And it's it looks like this and it sounds like this. But the thing is, is that when you do that in a session and you ask a client to join you it breaks something in the mind. And then you say to the client, okay, I call them my peeps. Hey, you know what? Tell me, what did your lips feel like? And what did your tongue feel like? And were you able to think of anything else when you did it? No. 
Okay, so this might be something that when you go into that self-doubt or self-loathing moment, that you actually make a decision to do, do the drilling. It's and, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. I'm, I'm just my head's just going through fifty thousand neuroscience <laughs> and things and the yes. motor cortex and things mm-hmm. and and uh, I mean I do a lot of work with the hands and because the other thing I point out is that the lips and teeth are the other most sensor, sensitive areas and we tend to take things in through our our, our lips and and tongue and here's this wonderful thing uh, I mean I, yeah I we used to do this in acting school you know everything I learned in acting school but what it does is it's moving the experience out because it's it's using breath uh it's activating there Air, I'm seeing vagusness, stuff going off all over the place, which is beautiful. But it's expressing expressing yourself outwards through your through the lips and tongue. How fantastic! Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, sorry, another thing that Richard, you, that, you yeah. um, uh, have taught me is that when you are curious, you're truly curious, it's it's very difficult or impossible to be anxious at the same time, simply because of the brain resources that we're using um, right. to be curious. Um, so that puts us in a completely different um, frame, again, liberated from, um, you know, yes. anxiety um, for those moments, which is That's awesome. right. And when you feel that liberation, something else then opens up, right? Your prefrontal cortex is being challenged. And all of a sudden, the amygdala, which, you know, holds so much emotion, is saying, oh, wow, this is interesting. I've never experienced this before. And I'm sitting with a therapist and I'm doing this. Yeah, and the therapist is saying, listen, while you're showering or bathing or going for a walk, I want you, if you can't, if you don't feel comfortable doing the trilling, imagine doing it and see what happens. Probably a smile will come to your face. And if that smile happens, well, then what else is functioning as an interrupter? And I call them the cognitive interrupters. Yeah, so this uh, is flowing through so nicely, and I just keep going back to um, uh, what's been belling in 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 my head is Campbell uh, and the journey, and this idea that you're really enriching is the journey is the movement through places that we're not familiar. Uh, right. The journey, the journey is not just going through familiar places. That's uh, that's another aspect of of of, uh, of Campbell's journey. But this this um, opening up of the door into places that we not only, to some extent, there's ones we don't want to go or uh, cautious or scared or uh, restricted in going to, but also those ones we that we didn't even know were there. I have to be honest. And sexual grief is a tough adversary. And um, and and when someone is used to being held hostage, they often don't want to leave it because it's what they know. And so you must you, you must understand that it's not a rejection of wanting to heal or wanting to. Um, grapple with that which one is faced with, but rather that it is very scary to go into the unknown. Mm-hmm. And so um, I work a lot with metaphor, uh, obviously hero's journey. Um, and uh, and I work a lot with many different kinds of metaphor, like the Wizard of Oz. 
and all the characters of the Wizard of Oz as a way of bringing in that this, where we're going, that there's going to be places where you meet the quote, like the metaphorical wicked witch and who that wicked witch might be for you and to understand that that there's that presence and that curiosity is is we we must help you i must and uh align with being extricated from the hostage the role of the hostage there's also a kinship to that role and to to understand that that we must tread lightly we must revel but not not too much because the 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 hostage within the soul gets very scared and so it is it is finding the 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 the, the levity the the balance the calibration which i talk about in my book it's grief um to find help someone find the calibration of of their um their growth they're shifting they're changing and they're getting uh free from the hostage taker sexual grief and helping helping anyone who's dealing with understand that it's not going to just go away i promise you it's still going to be there the difference is is that when it comes up you're going to be able to tangle with it and challenge it in ways that you haven't been before. What's it called when in long-term hostage situations where the cap, the the people that are, you know, the hostages are. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, a, oh, it's. um. That They have an affinity. Syndrome. For it's. Um, yeah. Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm which, syndrome. Which, yeah. actually, which actually uh, is a bit questionable. But in principle, yes. what you do is um, as a is, metaphor, but you create affinities. That, that, that's right. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and an uh, apathy for the hostage taker. Sure. It is. Yeah. An, it is an apathy for. It is a caring for. It becomes a kinship for. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and sorry, associations this, this and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that. Um, largely, uh, I don't know, a, a client unaware of that you you, you bring into the light. Oh, you know, I I will only bring it in when it presents itself because I certainly don't want to invite it in. I know it's going to happen, but since I'm talking to clinicians here, it's something to be aware of. It's something sure. to understand yep. that as, you know, as uh, you know, hopefully when this book comes out, you'll you'll get it and you'll read it and you know, you'll come to some some groups on it and we'll talk about it. Um, the idea here is that it's not smooth sailing just because you give you give you give some away away that is the way to alleviate the way to find some more inner peace or self-love. It it's it it's not a through line. And so to go back to that, the challenges of the hero Shiro journey is that that inmost cave is looking at the parts of the self that one does not want to look at and that one is not aware of. And so the place places that one may not be aware of is where they have that kinship, where they have an a, a, a caring for the hostage taker because mm, to for the, the fear is that they will forget. 
and they don't want to forget because, and that makes perfect sense because we want to be able to remember so we don't repeat. I mean, this is just a wonderful idiom. And there's a lot of stuff that Matt and I talk about quite regularly that is just uh, uh, beautifully expressed in in all you're saying, which always encourages us when we hear somebody else. uh, We should all sort of end up saying the same sort of stuff because we're more or less the same being that we work with. Uh, And we've covered uh, an enormous amount of territory. And unfortunately, we have constraints of time. Uh, because of people's attention and various uh, bits and pieces. So we must talk again, and we must talk again when this book, uh, when the new book comes out. Uh, But I'm wondering, is uh, a couple of things, either is there something we missed that you'd really like to address before we leave, or if there's just this opportunity now just to give it a roundedness, albeit a roundedness with, uh, uh, you know, three dots at at the end. I don't think you missed anything, although I did speak briefly about the Wizard of Oz, and I would just love, I love to end on on the Wizard of Oz, if I may. Um, And that is that, um, you know, she meets her travelers and she is a traveler. And this work, the work that we do as clinicians, the work that, that our clients do, we're all travelers together. And so she meets her travelers and she has her goals, Dorothy does, to, you know, get finally get to the to 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 the 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 emerald city that is going to get her home get her home that's all she wants and the metaphor of home is really a wholeness and is really self-love and is really maturity and she realizes that the that the, that 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 the wizard is not really who the wizard said was 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 <laughs> all that was made out to be and that really was just this kind of little person hiding behind a veil and that our work is really to help unveil and to help perhaps ourselves because we also come to this work with our own pain and our clients realize that they have ruby slippers them they all of us have ruby slippers because you've had the power all along to heal and to go home to the self that's so encouraging. That's pretty beautiful. That's a, a, a if if we're rounding to that point, that's a really lovely point to round to. Thank you so much, Edie, for uh, you. sharing your stuff. Yeah, thank you. Thank so you, much Richard, for and us. thank you, Matt, for allowing yeah. me to share this with both of you and for sharing what what you did with with me here today. Fantastic. Well, let's catch up again when the book is out, and we can talk Absolutely. further. But yeah, great to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Matt, wasn't she fabulous to, to hear about her acting, but also her own personal uh, her own personal struggles and mm-hmm. uh, this, the wounded healer again. Yeah. Um, and, and, and perhaps it's not the wounded healer. Maybe it's just the life experienced life experienced person. But yeah. I just enjoyed listening to her so much. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I just love the the metaphors, mm. the journeys that, that we take, and the, the metaphors that we can use. Um, to sort of put these in a in a in a frame that you know we can we can use the hostage. Like I, I just kept thinking of all of these hostage movies <laughs> and hostage negotiators, and thinking, yeah, what a fantastic metaphor because we are held hostage um, by this, and and not just you know sexual grief, but a whole range of other things. You know, I'm I'm certainly going to put um, I'm going to be using that uh, that metaphor for myself.
Yeah, and you you know read Edie's work, and then next time you go see one of these hostage uh, films, which is enjoyable to watch the film, but in there you can attune and perhaps find the additional self-relevant frameworks that go is saying, oh, yes, I know that's what happened in the film, but here's how I could use that for me. Because yeah. films should be a place where you walk out not just entertained but also enriched. Uh, that's obviously uh, off, more often than not the intention of the authors. Yeah, yeah. The hostage negotiator with the Wizard of Oz. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we have to we have to wind up, Matt, after having a fabulous time. Uh, everybody, remember, come in. We talked about the Academy. Uh, come into the Science of Psychotherapy YouTube page where oh, yes. you can see our podcasts uh, on video and hosts of other things. We've got a couple of our documentaries on, on there. Uh, yep. Now, many people will have seen our grief documentary uh, yep. at the at the end of July. And Let's all just uh, enjoy the material. Uh, there's lots of free stuff, but then there's also, as members, you get access to so much more. Fantastic. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us here at the Science of Psychotherapy, and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. For more great science, go to thescienceofpsychotherapy.com.